Osiris. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. You're listening to The Show on the Road, a new podcast where I interview songwriters, band leaders, and musicians from around the world. My name is Zach Lubiton. This week on the show, one of my favorite songwriters and rock and rollers working today, Rayland Baxter. I was able to meet up with this tall, mustached mountain of a man from Nashville in the hotel of the second annual Bender Jamboree in Las Vegas, and Rayland had just gotten up around 1 p.m. and was burning some incense and was searching for coffee and was lovingly trying out this brand new guitar when I walked in. You could tell right away, Rayland and this guitar had a love connection, and the romance was happening right in front of us. I can understand the feeling. There's something about a new guitar that is like falling in love. Is it the promise of a glorious future together, the spark of a hundred new songs glowing inside its made-in-Japan glossed-out body that inspired that look in his eye? Maybe. Rayland even brought a little cigarette pack amp and gave us a hint of the glimmer and crunch lying inside. If there's one thing I know about Rayland, it's that beyond this mellow, easygoing dude demeanor is a deeply perceptive and sharp-as-a-knife craftsman who takes songwriting deadly serious. This is his life, writing songs. And let me tell you, this dude writes catchy-as-hell earworms that crawl inside your head and make you want to sing in the middle of the night. His newest record, Wide Awake, deepens his focus and finds him questioning the very existence of the American dream being bought and sold all around us. Every time we would stop during this talk, we would look out that window at the Vegas skyline, that glimmering empire that so exemplifies the weirdness of the American experience. And there's something fitting about that with Raylan's records. He employs these swirling Beatles-esque guitars, these jangling keyboards, the booming drums and darting bass lines. There's a smiling nihilism going on in his records, pure rock and roll energy. Some folks start playing and writing songs the minute they can pick up an instrument when they're kids, but Rayland, he took a different path. He's a bit of a late bloomer. But if you start a little later with wisdom and sadness and experience on your side, it means that every album you put out is strikingly well-realized, lush, and real, and about the things that matter. He's also got some crazy stories to tell. So let's get to it now. Here he is, Raylund Baxter. A lightning bolt to Mike LaRocco's head He was angry at a friend of mine I'm gonna save you when I have the time The Jesus freaks, they taught me everything But I swear to God, he died You live in Nashville when you're home, right? Uh-huh. Are you from there originally? I'm from, um, yeah, I'm from Nashville. I was born in Bon Aqua, which is like an hour outside. And then um, like pretty much within the three months when I was born, we moved to Old Hickory. Oh, nice. Which is just outside of Nashville. I read about your dad a little bit yesterday. Yeah, he's a man. 
Bucky. Bucky. Bucky Baxter. Bucky Baxter. Short, short from Buckwheat. Is that his actual name? No, his actual na- name is um, William. But since he was since the seventies, he had a big afro, and so they called him Buckwheat, and then, and then it turned into Wheat or Bucky. My dad had a pretty big fro, like at his wedding, like it yeah. was like huge. Nice. You're like that was your wife, your <laughs> yeah. future wife is cool with that. <laughs> yeah, actually, my dad was he got remarried a little over three years ago, and and I at the time before the wedding, I had a big beard. Yeah, you know, I was like. He and I both were growing beards, and then he cut his off, and I kept mine going for months. And he was like, man, Ray, you got you to gotta shave that beard off. These are wedding photos. will be around forever. <laughs> and I didn't remember that. I was like, all right, you got it, man. I'll shave, I'll shave my head. I'll shave the beard. And it was right before. Uh, this was like a half a year before Imaginary Man came out. Okay. And, uh, but I had the photo shoot the Monday after the wedding. Okay. So I had no mustache, no beard, no nothing. I was like, Craw. so you'll see on the cover of Imaginary Man, it's the only photo of me without a mustache. Um, other than like old photos before. What is the secret to maintaining a solid stash? Hmm, the secrets to maintaining a solid stash. You need a comb, a fine-toothed comb, uh, a pair of sharp scissors. Okay. And then like some, you know, beard trimmers. And uh, it's constant, like, constant meddling, yeah. you know, like constant this, what I'm doing, which is, like, pushing it up off the upper lip and then into itself. You kind of, like, make a, a mustache joint. Are you one of those people whose beard grows instantaneously, like, after you shave? No. No, like, this is probably five days. Oh, wow. So, and it's, like, less than a half inch, uh, less than a quarter inch. Like, I wish, like, I'm have the half Jewish blood in me so it, it just grows out like Bob Dylan style like in every direction <laughs> like I'm super jealous of people who just have like the nice like coiffed beards like, I didn't, no matter what I do I can't do that I didn't have the, the nice beard it was like really heavy on the neck and it didn't grow same place where yours doesn't grow down here uh, under yeah. the it didn't grow there but mine like did this weird M shape and it didn't look good did you, when your dad was playing on Bob Dylan's tours, were you hanging out around that shit, or is it when uh, when it was in Nashville? You know, you I were probably uh, at school. Yeah. yeah, but I would go every time he played in, in in Nashville, or when I moved after sixth grade, I moved up to Maryland, and so if you ever played at Meriwether Post mm. or or anywhere um, in the Baltimore D.C. area, mm. we would go. It was it was cool. Yeah, because your dad your dad was what playing pedal steel with him on pedal ne- steel never Mandel- ending tour and the time out of mind tour and yep nice yeah the never ending tour I've adopted that for this one <laughs> yeah uh, the never never ending tour. What has been the gnarliest show on this tour? You said you've been out since July, right? Since July hmm. of two thousand eighteen. Of yeah, twenty eighteen, oh, the gnarliest show was in. Um, so it, we, when we went to Europe in October for three weeks, Barney, our guitar player, yeah. moved to bass. He played bass. And my buddy Chip Kilpatrick, who lives in Spain, who recorded on Imaginary Man, my second album on drums, we went over there and we toured. And the second show was in Madrid. Yeah. And there was a fist fight oh, in shit. the audience during the show. 
during bad things, we were playing bad things. All the all the time, friends have gone tour in Spain. It seems rowdy as shit. Yeah, they were. There was a, a a boy, a guy, and a girl who were first in line to get there. Yeah, they were front. They were in the front row, and it was it was crowded, you know. And and so it was shoulder to shoulder, small venue. And this bigger, drunker guy was like nudging his girlfriend, and he and the, the smaller dude just stepped up and like clocked him in his shoulder or something. This is before the shows even started. No, no, this is during uh, our set. Oh man! After the opener, and um, and so you know. Uh, I stopped the song for a second as they're they're tossing on the ground, and then I was just like, "No, fuck it, go back into it." And yeah. it, it was like, "Clack, clack." It it's cool. like the uh, the Rolling Stones moment in what was it the Altamont Speedway when you know the Hell's Angels start beating the people up, and they're like, "Can't everybody get along?" I never even got there. I was like, "No, yeah. let's give them a soundtrack." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you could write the soundtrack to any filmmakers movies hmm. who would it be I can definitely see your shit in some Tarantino coming up Tarantino maybe some Scorsese Scorsese yeah or or um or like some animated some animated right. stuff like some cartoon shit like Mirakami like some old like Japanese stuff. no no more like fantasy like um um if I could do something with, with along the lines of Zelda type oh, nice. dramas you know like um, or like Five Will Goes West, or anything where yeah. there's there's a young character exploring their own mind and the the, the outdoors and trying to you know either save the princess or um, save the world. Were you a video game kid growing up? I was. I I had a Nintendo sixty four for Zelda, and I I bought a Nintendo Switch last September for Zelda. There it is, right yeah, there. Yeah, and I play. I play. It's a dedicated Zelda. Zelda player, right there. I mean, it's. I'm just in love with the the story, you know. It, like, it's the only games I ever played. I played on on, on regular Nintendo when I was really young, but never, yeah. never beat it. You know, I never really cared. I just wanted to get the sword that shot itself and and kill some demons and. But um, and then in seventh grade, eighth grade, when Zelda: Ocarina of Time came out, bam. I was way into it. And then Switch came out. I have a bunch of free time, like traveling and stuff. And so I became obsessed. We had three weeks off in November. I played 16, 15 hours a day. Oh, my God. Had groceries delivered to my house, smoked pot, drank coffee, wrote songs, got a bunch of song ideas. There's a whole part in my phone where I have my voice memos where it's all ideas about Link, the main character in <laughs> Zelda. Man, you should re- maybe you should just do an unsolicited soundtrack to a new Zelda movie and, and then send it to the powers that be. That's a great Do you idea. remember any of those songs he wrote for Zelda? No, they're just all fragments, you know. Yeah. It would be like there's really beautiful music too, so I'm fitting have... on a Japanese Yamaha <clears throat> guitar. Totally, yeah. man. Maybe I'm supposed to be, maybe I need to marry a Japanese woman and that's that's, uh, have you been to Japan? I have. I've been dreaming about. Do you want a Do you want a story? Yes, please. Oh my god! What else are we here for? All right, I got stories. My life has <laughs> gone um, all around. <laughs> uh, Ten years ago, I moved back to Nashville. Eleven years ago, from Maryland. From <clears throat> I was living in. Well, I was living in Colorado. Then I was living in Israel. Then That's I moved it. back to Nashville. And when I moved back, 
of course, you know, I didn't want to work at a coffee shop, so I started working lawn care, mowing my dad's friends' lawns, or working with, like, older musician dudes who didn't want to chop their own wood or something like that. But then <clears throat> I met this girl. She's not really important to the story. She introduced me to this this lawyer, mm. this paraplegic lawyer. Okay. And I went... To, he's half Japanese. He wanted to go visit the, his Japanese half of the family. Okay. Paraplegic, quadriplegic. Oh, shit. Pretty much. He so could he, use his hands in his wheelchair. He had this crazy, like, Segway type wheelchair. So he needed, like, an assistant? He needed a physical assistant okay. and a bookkeeping assistant. The girl was the bookkeeping assistant. His physical assistant lost his passport a week before the trip to Tokyo. She calls me, Do you want to go to Tokyo and get paid to do this work? And I, um, I, I say, yeah, I do. <laughs> What's the work? Taking care of this man. Yeah. Um, who's very smart, you know. And he <clears throat> just had an accident when he was in his early 20s. Mm. And uh, so I said, yeah, let's go. And we go to Tokyo, and six days I spend by his side. As he goes and meets his family, his family that just happens to be Japanese military royalty. Oh, shit. So uh, we're eating at the nicest restaurants. Um, the whole time, I'm like, I'm 25. Yeah. I'm way out of my league. Yeah. In Tokyo, on the other side of the planet from anything I know, pretty much on another planet. If you yeah. go over there, it's like, whoa, it's yeah. crazy. Um, and I'm taking care of this man. I'm bathing him. I'm putting Rogaine in his hair. I'm putting toothpaste on his toothbrush. I'm doing other things like, you know, what? I don't even know if, I don't even want to say it because just in case it's... You should. Okay, enema. I had to give yeah. an enema three times. Um, and that's, I had to change. That's an education right there. Yeah, yeah. And there was no other, no one else to do it, you know? So I was like, fuck, man. I looked at myself in the mirror. I was like, how did you get yourself into this situation, dude? <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, it's a weird contrast because we were eating at really nice restaurants. But I knew before and after that day had begun and, and ended, I had to do a couple things that were <laughs> not, not my favorite things yeah. to ever do that I didn't know. You can't unsee. And I, yeah, so, uh, so yeah, I have been there. Um, I have been there. What else do I need to tell you about this? <laughs> oh, yeah, we stayed in the Imperial Hotel, which is originally built by Frank Lloyd Wright. Oh, wow. Right across from the Imperial Palace. They tore it down to build a higher hotel because the original hotel was only three levels, but they left the bar downstairs mm. that he built. And so after my, my workday was over, I just went down there and drank as many martinis as possible on his tab. Shit. And, uh, it's almost like, yeah. like lost in translation a little bit. Yeah. yeah. I, was lost. I, was lo I was lost in translation. <laughs> That's funny. So you moved back to Nashville, you said about 10 years ago, 11 years 11 ago? 11 years ago. Well, June will be 11 years. And when does the serious recording and, and, and songwriting start happening? Is that around then? It started before then in Israel. And I was living... How'd you end up in Israel? Um, <clears throat> well, in 2008, after I was done with my living in Colorado... And I had been playing open open mics out there in like Breckenridge and Creed, Colorado, where I was living. And I was like, "Well, damn, this is fun. This is the only thing I really enjoy doing." Same time, February of two thousand eight, my dad was like, "Ray, 
you want to be a guitar tech for this band I'm in? And, and I said, yeah, I need to get out of here. So let's, he's like, let's go back to Nashville. Rehearsals start in a week. I'll show you how to change strings, all that stuff. And that tour that we were preparing for went to Paris for two weeks to do TV and radio for a record my dad had produced called, as a band called The Moonshine Sessions. And, uh, and then after that tour was over, my dad's best friend lives in Israel. He has for, you know, 40 years. He has his family out there. And uh, he's a Brazilian guy. Genius, doctor. Yeah, I was going to say, I like... You- you don't seem like you're part of the tribe, so I didn't think you were going there to like work on a kibbutz. No, I was living on a mushav, mushav geya, uh, outside of Ashkelon, and um, but with all Jewish, you know, Jewish people. So I, I'm like, a, I'm a quarter blood. You have a is it a single or a record called Ashkelon? An EP, a yeah. live EP, yeah. yeah. And I wrote out there, and I was like, kind of under the guidance of Andre, who's my dad's, you know, brother. Yeah, and. Uh, and knows what a good song is and knows all of Bob Dylan and Leonard Cohen mm. and Ian Hunter and uh, Steve Earle and mm. Towns Van Zandt's catalog. And you know, he knows every word to every song. He mm. like teaches his kids life lessons via mm. Bob Dylan books. And so like, I was... Why can't that be done instead of like biblical study? Yeah, why can't it be done? Right? Oh, it'd be a great... Uh, a great you know, you never know, though. Like, Bob Dylan might be a biblical character uh, or a deity in 500 years, and people start, we're just ahead of the curve, man. Uh, and this, this leads me to another thing where I'm just content with the way humans are ending up and how, where we come from and mm. where we're going. It's, not, it's, it's out of our control mm. that we're evolving the way we're evolving. Yeah. You know, and so... Well, we're evolving sort of right in front of our own eyes, right? It's yeah. like, I mean, before like smartphones and the internet whatever like we were different people you know like when we were kids i think people who are in their mid-30s are almost like the last people who didn't have the internet at all as kids where it didn't shape our brainwaves at all you know until maybe you know sixth seventh grade maybe with aol right, dial up right so it's like you got mail yeah but like i don't remember like how like my parents got places on vacation or something. We would go on vacation and we would somehow arrive at the hotel in a foreign land. Yeah. You know, uh, beyond Vegas vacation Google style. Maps. Like yeah. holding the paper up. Tony, <laughs> am I supposed to turn on I I ten south or west? Yeah. Open the map. Do you remember a family vacation when you were a kid that sticks in your mind? Um well my parents divorced when I was two. So the family vacations were um they were with my mom and sister. We would go um, for Easter. We would always go up to Maryland. But uh, the major vacations I did were with were with my uh, my dad because he was touring all the time. And then he comes scoop us up, you know. Yeah. And we get to go have fun while my mom worked hard all year, you <laughs> yeah. know, and could barely, you know, she she sacrificed a lot. Dad's always more <laughs> fun when mom's like, "Come on!" Totally. Uh, dad, dad, and I would go to like. We would always road trip, Nashville to Nova Scotia. Oh, that's a long trip. Nashville to Jackson Hole. Hmm. Nashville to Los Angeles. Um, what was the songs? What were the music that he was playing in the car? Hendrix, Credence, Dylan, um, Ray Price, um, Doc Watson, hmm. um, Osborne Brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean all the classics. That's where I got schooled on music. 
I have this line that I wrote down for some reason from your tune, Cold Easy Life of a Loner, about getting a Bible from your mother. Mm-hmm. Did your, did your mom have a religious background? No, she gave me a Bible. We, we lived like, well, she grew up in an Episcopalian church, but she's not really, she, it wasn't a big thing when I was a kid. We went to church for three years together, as um, my sister, myself, and her, my mom, because we lived a block away, yeah. you know, and it was like, but after that... Churches are almost like social clubs at a certain point. Yeah, know? yeah. I mean, my mom, she was a single mother living in Old Hickory, Tennessee. It was a community. Mm. Um, everybody went to that church, and we went. I got baptized when I was in fourth grade, you know. It was a Presbyterian church. We had a blind preacher. Oh, shit. She walked the preacher. She walked her... Her dog walked her up the, uh, the aisle every day and then back down. That's awesome. It was pretty cool. Trippy to have a blind preacher. There needs to be a song about that. And my older, in my like, as I've got, I didn't think about it then, but a blind woman telling uh, this congregation in 1995 about the the word, yeah, the gospel, which yeah. is beautiful. You know, when did you want to start uh, performing? Was it when you were um, a kid? I mean, no, no, no. I didn't. I didn't start playing guitar till I was essentially a junior in college. Oh shit! And then I didn't start writing until after college. What were you studying in college? Advertising. And I played lacrosse. And I went to this college for lacrosse, not for my academics. Did you consider yourself a preppy kid in college? Um, no, not at all. I was always a dude. I've always been a dude. Um, like, I could hang with the preppy kids, but I came. I didn't come from a rich family. So, like, if you listen to Hey Rocco, there's yeah. a line in the bridge where I go, just because I dress like them... Doesn't ma- don't mean I'm made of millions. Yeah, you know, and that's a, a specific instance in college that I'm talking about in that song. But um, no, I was smoking weed out of a tin can before our high school championship game, <laughs> and we won. All of us were smoking, and then I went to college. And um, where'd you go to college? Loyola University in Baltimore. Oh, nice. They're like second in the country right now, lacrosse program, Division One. Like it was the best of the best, and that's my that was my that was my my gig, you know. Once I moved to Maryland after sixth grade, I started playing lacrosse immediately, and and uh, I was big. I'm big. I'm tall, but I was much thicker than like, mm. and um, and then I tore my ACLs senior year of high school, sophomore year of college, oh, and then never really came back to the sport um, after my. S- Essentially, halfway through my junior year, I quit the team. Mm. Joined the Battle of the Bands at Loyola for to win a spot at Loyola Palooza, <laughs> uh, opening up for Blues Traveler. Nice. We they we didn't get our submission in in time, and then and then that was my junior year. But uh, yeah, I had a band called Ralph and the Movers that played cover songs, and in college two old dudes in their fifties that worked for the moving moving company I worked for. If you hadn't torn your your ACLs would you be here right now who knows it is it is funny how like there's those moments in our lives where there's like the path the pathway of your destiny kind of splits in some form yeah well it was the universe knocking me down to the ground being like you don't belong in this world anymore Ray this is uh, too physical you're getting you're too soft for this you're too (laughs) sensitive for this and so I, uh, I, got, I got a message from Mother Universe my senior year telling me to um, chill out, tore my ACL, powered through. Then um, 
my sophomore year, I tore my left one, and then then I got kicked out of school for a year. And um, and in that year, I my dad gave me a guitar, nice. and I um, started covering, you know, playing like. What kind of guitar was it? It was a, a dreadnought style, looked like a Martin, but it was built by my friend Luke Reynolds' dad. Mm. Luke Reynolds plays guitar in Guster now. Oh yeah. And uh, he had a band called Blue Merle around that time, and he he gave it to my dad for like a few months' rent because mm. he was living with my dad, and um, and then my dad gave it to me, and so I played I played that for years. Is your is the wide awake concept on the record about sort of seeing the world a little cl- more clear right now, or is like was it a, a concept at all, or just sort of yeah 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 no it's like all the songs are. I mean, just my life, my mind at least, is uh, completely zonked out on some levels, but I, I'm, I see, I just see, I am wide awake in my world. My world being how I'm functioning on this planet, in this skin. Um, and so I think, you know, maybe somebody else thinks I'm not, but I, that, that doesn't really matter in this mm. I think that I'm functioning uh, with my eyes wide open and my uh, my mind wide open mm. um, right now. Yeah. The uh, the tune Sandra Monica talks about dreams, mm-hmm. like dream state. Mm-hmm. Do you remember a super vivid dream that really shook you? Well, yeah, I've got a super vivid dream like that involves an animal. It's an amphibian, um, but I I was like I was in a a, a spaceship. A okay. large spaceship, like a, an aircraft hangar, um, like like the um, Star Wars, you know, where yeah. they keep the X-wing fighters. Yeah, it was in something like that, but mixed in, there was like a backstage of an amphitheater vibe, you know. Okay. And so, and I just looked down, and I, and I, uh, I'm pregnant, and I give birth to a dead giant salamander, like Holy shit. three feet big. Who impregnated you? A lady salamander? I don't know. Nothing like... Th- there was no... Nothing before that, but yeah. I just, like, held this dead salamander in my hands, covered in blood. Shit. And uh, there's, like, spaceships f- zooming off around me. Plus, there's a rock concert going on. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what rock concert? Uh, it's like Kings of Leon, I think. It was like <laughs> something, you know, a, a large band. Tell me about the Let It All Go song that ends it ends the record. Uh, just like a mantra song for um, yeah it came f- it came from some advice my dad gave me kind of a um, twelve years ago <clears throat> where he was just kind of explaining that some things are within my grips of of control and persuasion or whatever mm. and some of these things are not you know and um, just like letting, leaning back and letting the world um, carry on and uh, not try to get caught up on the little bullshit mm. that gets in the way of enjoying the sunset and then just breathing and enjoying the gift of being a human being um, as opposed to whatever I was before I was Rayland, you know. Mm. I don't know what that was. Maybe it was amazing. I don't. Do you believe in know. reincarnation? Um, I don't. Don't not believe. I don't not believe in it. But um, um, 
Yeah, I want to. I want it to be a, a, a truth. Like last night, we're here at this festival in Vegas. It's a weird festival. Vegas is a weird town. You know, it's like you play a set. Most of the people hadn't arrived yet for the festival. You know, you're doing your best up there. You're having a good time. But like, how do you keep sort of the joy and the uh, the fire when you know a show is like gonna be lame and you know? Um, remember, uh, oh, just like we get to play a show, play music together, whether it's in my basement or uh, you know at a casino. I can always forget about the attendance and just, like, improvise mm. and just play music, you know, because that's really fun. There was definitely some, like, Credence Clearwater, like, jams going on last night. I felt like it was, like, the Suzy Q extended radio cut Nice going on last night. Yeah, we just wanted to jam. We hadn't played um, or seen each other in, like, four days, five days. And so... Um, Plus, we're without a band member, the keyboard and the, mm. the keyboard player, who fills in a lot of the cracks, you know. Yeah. So it was all new for us last night. I was playing more guitar than I usually do, and, um, and uh, yeah, we were just jamming. Really, like I like to improvise, and I like to go on some side shoots. Mm. Uh, I realized last night that, and they hung on, you know, but I was going places that. Jay, the drummer, had never seen me go because he's only played seven shows with us, okay. you know, and so, uh, but he held on, you know, and uh, that makes it exciting, too. If there's one person in the audience, we can just make shit up and practice. When you're, when you're home, eventually, what is your, what does your day look like, usually? Like, what happens in the morning when you get up? I wake up, get out of bed, drag a comb, comb across my, my head. head. Um, I'll probably either drag walk... Drag a comb to, across the stash. Drag a chrome, comb across my stash. <laughs> Put my shoes on and I walk outside. A quarter mile down the road and I get a cup of joe. Then I walk back home and smoke some pot <laughs> and burn some good-smelling wood and maybe start a fire and... Write a song or play piano as I walk by. People can't see the incense burning in here on the radio. Oh, yeah. But it smells pretty damn good. What is your go-to incense? Not that. That's just Nag Champa. You can get yeah. it anywhere. But I, have, I, have I, I, I get this, these, like, it's a less potent Nag Champa mm. derivative, I guess. It's just like a, it looks like one of those beef sticks you gave your dog. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? Oh, the thick ones? Well, like long and thin. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And uh, you burn it. it. Smells a little bit more like nag champa crushed up and mixed in with some crushed leaves. Mm. So uh, uh, that's my thing. You did you actually have fifty songs that were oh, yeah. part of that wide awake demos? Oh, oh yeah. Do you get sad when certain songs are never recorded? Like uh, losing like an old <clears throat> friend. Uh, no, I don't get sad. The ones that need to be recorded will be recorded. Who choose? And who chooses? Um, I mean, I do, but if if I've got a friend that really is like over a three year period, like when are you going to record that? That remember that one, right? Yeah, I'll, I'll remember that, and then I'll be like, why is that ringing with him? 
they all ring with me. Um, but, but also, like, I haven't not ever recorded a song that I don't want to record mm. because unless I die really soon, um, which is, you know, if it happens, then those songs that are in the vault won't get recorded. But I could take a song I wrote five years ago and record it 50 years from now. Mm. Uh, I hope. <laughs> as long as I save somehow the lyrics. All right, one of my favorite questions I have to do. You start the Raylan Baxter Festival on your front lawn. You get to book five artists to start Dead or Alive. Who are those artists? Uh, J.J. Kale, Jimi Hendrix, Smashing Pumpkins, Mm. Blind Melon. Close it off with a... um, Late night, low lit Leonard Cohen mm. set. Nice. Remember the first record that you listened to that rocked your brain? All right, mine was Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. That's it. All right, when I say the word mountain, what do you think? Mountain Dew. <laughs> do the do. Do the do. When I say the word cloudy, what do you think? Cloudy um, with a chance of meatballs. One of my go-to favorite books growing up. Or clouds in my coffee, clouds in my coffee. Yeah. Who's an artist right now that's really uh, doing it for you? Um, let's see. You know, I, I mean... It's, there's a couple. I, I do want to mention one, Mac Miller, mm. who passed away last year. Uh, Hip hop, fucking badass from Pittsburgh. And I, I went to Okeechobee Fest four years ago. He was playing. I saw him just rip open the crowd, and, and myself included. So I've been a big fan of his. Um, but um, that's that's like. You're doing a, a, a recording of his stuff? I just finished. Yeah, it's almost done getting mixed, but um, and it'll come out in June or something. But I did seven songs mm. of his, kind of reimagined my way. Um, we tracked live. You know, Eric Slick from Dr. Dog plays drums. My nice. buddy Aaron Embry is playing key, keys and piano. And um, Yeah, just uh, a little paying my respects mm. to a dude I didn't know but I just it affected me a lot when I, when I was writing mm. the Wide Awake stuff when I was living in Kentucky at Thunder Sound um, just in terms of the, his rhythmic phrasing I really got into and and then um, I've been listening to this girl Danny Lay from mm. Miami she's kind of like a hip hop she's cool and uh, the Nude Party I mm. like them and who I mean I don't know I'm always listening to just whatever there's something about the tragic sort of early end of a lot of these great artists that you're like like does it have to be that way you know is like there's some sort of correlation with like ultra brilliance and that light going out quicker you know the like the Achilles <clears throat> syndrome you know yeah man two of my two of my bras just like in January uh, my buddy Billy Swayze, like legend dude, who owns Thunder Sound, the studio where I wrote all these songs, mm-hmm. he died in a car accident in January. Fuck. His his best friend 
Tiger. Fucking, you know, he gone last week. Mm. His funeral's today. I'm oh, here. Man. Like, all my friends, they're all up there in Chicago. These dudes burnt hot mm. and bright and and affected all of us. You know, but 27, no, no, 20, 20, uh, they're both like 32 or 33. Yeah. Burn out, just gone. Mm. But they affect, like, you know, we all played guitar a little bit differently because we've heard Tiger play guitar. Mm. Tiger fronted a band called Morning Teleportation. Mm. Incredible. They have two albums that blow your mind that nobody's ever listened to, pretty mm. much, except for all of us and, like, the few thousands that, that got it. Mm. Um, but, yeah, people go. It's weird. But it's also the way it is. Like, people die. We die. Some people get, like, aren't meant for this world and can't even handle it. Like, if you were given that uh, that question that Achilles got, it, it's like you could either be this great warrior and be remembered forever, but you're going to die in this battle. Or you can sort of serve with distinction and then be forgotten and have a family that loves you and die an old man. Mm-hmm. But no one will remember you 100 years from now. And I think like there is a bit of that internal confrontation in a lot of us touring musicians who are like, you're out there to get people to remember you in yeah. some form. You know, I'm writing this stuff down so like when I'm gone, there's something here. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. That's... um. I would I would address my ego, and uh, get consult my ego if I were asked that question. Yeah. You know, because what's like really um, like I love writing songs and I love I love performing, but wh- like why why do I do it? Yeah. And, uh, for various reasons, it's a way to pass the time. It feels good to create something, but then there's like the recognition side, mm. which. You know, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't, um, if my ego wasn't, it's like powdered sugar on a, on a French toast. You know, you go play a show, it's like, oh, that was sweet. Look at them love me like that. Yeah. You know, that is undeniable across the board, whether somebody admits it or not. Yeah. This is just part of the blood and skin and spirit that we were made from, you know. Will you play us a song before I have to skip out of here? Yeah. I'll play Sandra Monica. Yeah, I live in Santa Monica. Nice. I recorded Santa the. Well, I, I recorded the album in Santa Monica. Where Ocean Way? N- no, um, at um, Butch Walker's studio. Red Ruby Red, it's called. It's in Santa Monica. California. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's right down. I mean, it's, I don't even know. It's right near a health food restaurant. That would have been so much more convenient for me what we just recorded in the valley. Too late. I went out last night, simple times. I come back home to shut my eyes, close my door, and fall in love with the beautiful Sandra Monica. Am I dreaming? Am I dreaming? 
I wake up this morning, I step outside in my long t-shirt and a bolo tie. My girlfriend's gone, I don't know why. So I turn around and go back inside. Am I dreaming? Am I dreaming? Cause I'm hearing crimson and clover. Playing over and over and over and over again Playing over and over and over and over again Inside to my living room, I got my cowboy hat and cowboy boots, and the ruby red is up and down. And my right hand man is my woman now. Am I dreaming? Am I dreaming? Cause I'm hearing crimson and clover. Playing over and over and over and over again Playing over and over and over and over again Playing over and over and over and over again Woo! Playing over and over and over and over again There he goes, Mr. Raylan Baxter. You can go to RaylanBaxter.com for his tour dates and his music. His newest record, Wide Awake, is out on ATO Records. It is really, really a fun listen. And uh, he's going to be playing shows all throughout the South and uh, Europe and Canada. He's also playing the Newport Folk Festival in July, which is exciting. And uh, if you go to BluegrassSituation.com, you can see his feature uh, on Gig Bag, which shows all the stuff he likes to bring on tour. It's really fun. If you're curious, My Squad Dust Bowl Revival will be playing a free music festival here in LA. That's South Pasadena's Eclectic Music Fest. And uh, weirdly, we will be opening on the main stage for the Gin Blossoms. It's true, and it's happening. Also, May 2nd and 3rd, we will be in Virginia, and May 4th, we'll be playing the Kingman Island Bluegrass and Folk Fest in Washington, D.C., my favorite place to play. The show on the road is hosted by me, Zach Lupiton, and produced by the handsome Hawaiian Chris Jacobs with support from the Bluegrass Situation team. If you love the show on the road, please leave us a review or rating over at iTunes.com slash show on the road. Tell your friends. The show on the road is a part of the BGS Podcast Network. This is Zach Lupiton. See you on the trail. Hi, this is Henry Kay. 
host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica, where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media, the leading storyteller in music. Because as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song.